Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Friday, January the 12th. And it is a friendly Friday. We're going to be bringing on Steve Friend momentarily. And so I hope you guys all look forward to that. Hey, looks like we are having a difficult time getting over on Rumble. What's going on, Rumble? Stand by. I'm going to try to cycle it real quick. If you're watching us anywhere else, you can join us in the live chat on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Again, that's rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. And Rumble, folks, you might be joining us right now. We did the open, and sure enough, Rumble failed to pick it up. And it should be running right now. Again, it is about 8.30 in Texas, America. If you guys hear some weird noises in the background, and I cannot rule it out, I, I am not of this world, but I do live in this world. And this world has some major windstorms in Central Texas right now. And you might hear my neighbor's garbage cans going through, I don't know, like a window or their front door as it flies in at about 60 miles an hour. So... We want to thank you so much for joining us for this Friendly Friday, and we're going to get launched right away. Let me say thanks to a sponsor that we'll bring on Steve. we got a bunch of weird things that are going on in the world. We're going to try to break it down and see if it makes any sense. Before we do that, there it is. How about our friends over at CatholicVote.org? CatholicVote.org. You guys can go to there website, and you can either make a donation up on the Gives thing, or you can sign up for the Loop. You should probably do both. They are America's top advocacy group for faith, family, and freedom. They are fighting for the things that we love in this country. Again, CatholicVote.org. They are the underwriter of The Kyle Serafin Show and big fans. And then also, apparently, called us the uh, Catholic Prom King of the Year. Let me uh, go over here. I'm going to take a look at Rumble real quick before we bring Steve on and make sure that this is a— Let's just bring you in here right now. And there is Steve Friend. Come on up on the screen here with me and my brother. Uh, look at this. <laughs> People can see us now. I'm just watching this live chat go just completely nuts. They said, oh, now you're good. Now we see you. Now you're frozen. Now you're not. <laughs> yeah, folks. Sometimes things get a little spicy. Steve Friend, welcome back. It has been. Uh, it feels like it's been about five weeks since the last time I saw you, and it was only a couple days, it seems like. Yeah, and we talk every single day. It's definitely just, it seems like time goes. It felt like we've lived about five years in the last 20 days. So that's that's generally my sentiment. But I'm glad and excited to be here. I'm glad actually when I woke up this morning, it was 60 degrees and I was very fearful because it was 40 the day before. And I thought I might have to have a heart attack from shoveling the snow that was definitely going to be imminent in Central Florida. This is just Steve just letting you guys know that he's listening to what we're doing here on the show when he's not there. So even though we're not always talking or you're not always seeing Steve Friend, he's keeping track of what's happening with us. Yeah, I don't want the iguana scenario to happen for you. I don't want you to be outside like on a run and then just kind of like, uh, and then fall over. It's a possibility, at least. It is if it drops below sixty-one degrees. I have to wear my mittens when uh, anything else. If it gets to that those those levels, there, man, like where you, if, I, I actually part of my heart dies when I go out in the morning to let the dogs out, and I can see my breath. That's terrifying to me. <laughs> and, but here's the thing: you used to live in the frigid tundra, did you not? I gave the greatest last full measure of devotion for seven years. I shoveled enough snow. For a lifetime, for at least my perspective, and uh, and I'm done. When we moved to Florida, I told my wife, I, I liked Iowa. I liked the work I was doing at the time. And uh, I said, if we're going to make this, the, the sacrifice from you is I'm never going to be cold again. And that will include if we go to the movies one day and it's just a little chilly, we're just going to have to eat that ticket because we're leaving. I'm getting rid of all my long sleeves. 
<laughs> if you you won't dress up for the movie theater even in Florida when it's hot out. <laughs> no man, I need to have hey dudes at most, mostly just Crocs and shorts. What are hey dudes? I don't know. They're like those fabric shoes. The shadow back me up on this. They're they're comfy, comfortable shoes. That, that's it. I've, I've literally never heard that term before. Okay, so we're going to uh, run through a bunch of stuff. We've got a bunch of videos that are going to kind of show us where we're at in the world. Uh, some of it is amusing. Some of it is terrifying, but still funny. Some of it is going to make uh, our blood boil. I have a good palate cleanser for the end of this thing today. Um, let's start off with a news story, if you're good with that. I think that's where we're going to start here. So, uh, folks, how about this? Something Steve is working on just a little bit. This is a story that goes back to 2017. Now, if you guys remember, we had George Hill on not too long ago, and he talked about this. Uh, Steve is actually working on a project, kind of writing up some of the intelligence failures and the changes that happened just at the end of the Obama era. I'm going to read it a little bit, and then we'll have Steve kind of comment on it because I know he's been kind of looking into it. So it says, just in time for Trump, the NSA loosens its privacy rules. This is coming from Wired Magazine going back to January of 2017. Privacy critics have called on Obama to rein in U.S. surveillance powers before Trump could abuse them. I want you to remember that. The concern that Wired Magazine has, which is obviously on the liberal left, uh, and and maybe even the progressive left is what they think is that they don't want Obama to loosen the reins on the NSA and other intelligence agencies because they're scared Trump is going to abuse them. I threw a little quick quote on here. It's coming from the first the first paragraph of this article. It says, as privacy and civil liberty communities brace for Donald Trump's impending control of U.S. intelligence agencies like the NSA. Obviously, we're laughing in the background now um, that we are eight years removed from this thing or six years removed. Uh, critics have called on the Obama administration to rein in those spying powers before a man with a reputation for vindictive grudges takes charge. And now, just in time for President-elect Trump to inherit most of the powerful spying machines in the world, Obama's Justice Department has signed off on new rules to let the NSA share more of its unfiltered intelligence with its fellow agencies, including those with a domestic law enforcement agenda. Uh, Mr. Friend, how silly is it to hear that sort of thing right now? Because that does that just make your heart smile about the absurdity that they were they were fearful of? I want to be friends with all the pearl clutchers in 2017 who th who were really against the NSA giving this access to a weaponized he has FBI who are now, you know, pumping their fists and supporting things like the sedition hunters for people uh, because they have completely done 180. And they're he, saying, hey, he we has a power reputation. Now. And there was this it, it, I'm reminded there was this story. I, I think it was the Clintons when they first came in and it was uh, best demonstrated by that movie, the primary colors film. And they, they were the peaceniks, right? They were against the military industrial complex. They were protesting against the Vietnam War. And then he became president. And they had the, the flyovers going on and all the, the pomp and circumstance. And the people who were true believers were saying, Bill, well, I thought you were against this. And, and it was like, well, now I've got the power. That's right. That's the same people that uh, they had to make the movie Wag the Dog about. Um, I think that's actually going to play nicely into what we we're going to talk about a little bit later, because apparently we're going to go back to war in the Middle East because, you know, we got out of Afghanistan in a disastrous withdrawal, which cost lives it didn't need to. So when the poll numbers tank, you make sure you start a war with uh, Lockheed needs to hit its quarterlies, my friend. Moreover, I used to we used to call it like shit Stanistan, like it doesn't matter where it is, but you've got to go out and throw bombs into a place that nobody cares about that Americans can't find on a map. So uh, Yemen wins. They've had 400 missile strikes from United States missiles uh, in the last 20 years or so. So we've been casually bombing them 
We've been casually just sending it, send some over there and, and break some targets. But now we're going to have a proxy war with Iran because wouldn't that be good? Even though the Biden administration seems awfully friendly to Iran, like none of this stuff makes any sense to me. But we got some fun videos for that stuff. Um, here's the best part for me of that little paragraph that we read and, and the wider article itself. They're really scared about turning over the tools of the intelligence agencies to Donald Trump. Looking back from today and knowing that Obama was the one who loosened them and gave more authorities, let's go do a little reflection on what that actually involved and not this, like like you said, pearl clutching that was going on at Wired. Well, it was NSA was essentially, I've talked to George Hill about this. It, it's essentially like a Roomba. It's just sucking in information. And there was this wall that pre prevented these uh, law, alleged law enforcement agencies from accessing the information. Obama puts this amendment in, allows them to gain that intelligence, and now they can do parallel construction, which is essentially they take that information, build a case to justify having found that information, and they work backwards as opposed to doing a logical progression through law enforcement where you would respect civil liberties and due process and and do lawful searches uh but now they they have the information to begin with it's the 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 story of like you there's a pot of gold in the field so you buy and you know that so you buy the field knowing inevitably that you will find it i feel like you just pulled a garrett o'boyle if you had done the actual chapters and verses in the gospels about the parable of the man who sold everything he owns to buy the treasure in the field Yes. Yeah, yeah, they, they exactly know. And the fun thing for me is that they're, they're acting like the, this was an accident, that Obama didn't know what he was turning on and that he was accidentally leaving the lights on for Trump to walk in. No, no, no. He was leaving the lights on for somebody else to find the way. And it was obviously always set up. Looking at it in the past, we can say, well, like, well he never had control of these intelligence agencies. That seems pretty no, apparent. They were occupied by people who had signs up that said, like, Comey is my homie. And then the, the fat boy or fathead cutouts of Barack Obama. I mean, like they were no, hatch act be damned. They were just going to go and continue to do the bidding. It didn't matter who the occupant of the, the White House was. So a little bit of a kind of a funny historical perspective. Yes. So for folks who don't realize this, there were actual uh, cardboard cutouts of Barack Obama that were campaign style, you know, sort of cutout posters that were in FBI's headquarters that were in the, you know, the cubicles of office workers who were intelligence analysts and MAPAs and SOS and all the other kind of little positions that just love them some Obama. And the question of the Hatch Act comes up. This means that you can't do political things while on duty. In fact, we know somebody on Twitter that's actually was removed for alleged Hatch Act violations tweeting in his in his car at lunch while on quote-unquote government time was one of the things, and they were of political nature. So that was one of the things that they'll throw at you. But interestingly, I had an alleged Hatch Act violation that people were concerned about while I was sitting at my cubicle, and this would have been in 2022. I sat near the printer, and everybody had to come where my desk was. This is my last six weeks in the office where they were kicking me out anyway, and I had no casework, and I'm just sitting there by myself. So what I did is I printed off a, uh, a picture in full color of Donald Trump riding a tank with a golden bazooka on his shoulder, right? You've seen this picture. I think the tank actually has like a golden, you know, main gun. And he's, you know, streaming the American flag and there's eagles that are like crapping freedom or whatever the hell it is. I mean, it's just like a cartoon. And so I had that. And then its brother picture was also on this little thing that was facing the folks that had to come in and get the uh, printer. And that was Ronald Reagan with an Uzi, uh, two Uzis, I think, while riding on a velociraptor. And somebody was like, well, you know, that's might be a Hatch Act violation. And I was like, no, this is a historical context. Because once they're no longer in office and they're not holding partisan office and they're not running because he wasn't a candidate at the time, certainly Ronald Reagan wasn't running for anything, 
Um, it's commentary and it is uh, historical context. You can do that. And that was the argument about Obama. It was historical because he was no longer president. We had a full briefing by uh, Mucky Mucks from headquarters at an all-employee conference uh, one year, and this was during the Trump administration. Because I remember I just asked a theoretical. I didn't particularly have any affinity for either you know either either guy, but I was like, well, what if you're a military veteran and just theoretically you got a Medal of Honor from the president? So if Obama's putting that around you and you have that picture, can you put that up in your cubicle or in your office? Yes. Could you do that if Donald Trump gave it to you? And they said, no. I'm, well, why? They're like, well, because he'll be a candidate for office. I'm like, but it's not a political statement. It's just, it's actually about you. It's a, I love me some me type of thing. And they said, absolutely no. And I can't help but think where it reversed that it still wouldn't have been a hatchback violation. Like if you, if Obama were in office and you were getting a medal of honor, it was very much they're They're captured by their ideology and they're selectively going to enforce it. My old supervisor, my second supervisor in the bureau is a guy named John Nance, who continues to write like um, hateful pieces that are in a lot of flowery language. And he just really loves himself himself. And he loves to write words that don't need to be there. And he does these little like crappy pieces at uh, town hall and he's pissed off Dan Bongino because of it. And he's kind of like a, a laughing stock to you and I. But the funniest thing about him is you just talked about historical pictures. The picture that was on his desk, the last article he wrote was something, uh, you know, bad mouthing Eric Holder. And he had a picture of himself and his family with Eric Holder on his desk. <laughs> and it's like these people can't get out of their own way. They keep uh, what did what did, uh, what did I tell Phil love this? I said, uh, you know, they, they basically keep tripping over their own dicks because they have tiny little dicks. But they also have like the clown shoes that just reach up and smack them. It's just the stupidest thing in the world. It's the dumbest people running the dumbest things. We've got a couple of uh, fun videos, so I want to throw some of those up and, and kind of share. Speaking of dumb, I don't think there's any other way around it in this case. Um, let me let me do a sponsor read first. Let's uh, say thanks to our buddies over at 4Patriots. We'll do that, and then we'll do a video. Um, guys, you can go to the number 4Patriots with an S on the end, .com, 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. Get, use my promo code. Get access to any number of the interesting survival tools. I actually put that little smorgasbord on the bottom here. If you're watching on the Rumble channel, you're seeing food, you're seeing tools, you're seeing fire starters, you're seeing all kinds of uh, options for keeping power on, whether it be for your small devices. They also have some larger ones like solar generators. Check a look at 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Get yourself prepared. If you are not prepared, you are waiting to repair and that usually hurts quite a bit more. It doesn't matter whether it's your finances, doesn't matter whether it's your car, doesn't matter whether it's your survival scenario and you're wondering, hey, I don't know anybody anymore. I didn't go meet my neighbors like Kyle Serafin told me. And now I'm lost and I don't even have a zombie radio. I'm screwed. Don't be that person. Figure it out. Go to four, the number four, patriots.com slash Kyle and get yourself squared away. Okay, so let's do a video, Steve. Are you ready for this? Take a deep breath. You've seen this before now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is not fun to watch, but it is fun to make Steve watch. So let's just do it. No context. Let's go, girls. So that's the dream team. That is the dream team of Spirit Airlines. Bunch of ladies walking at a trade show. Thoughts on that? Did it Does it work out well? What do you think? You want that to be the engineers that build the thing that you get into and put your life on the line with? 
I'm, I mean, I've never really wanted to fly with Spirit Airlines anyway, because I kind of feel like it's held together with duct tape. Um, but how about that whole like mythos of the, the, the stewardess? Because as much as you want to say they're flight attendants or flight progress coordinators, whatever the heck they want to call them now, like the really flight hot woman that would bring you coffee, tea, or me, that was the, the joke from like the, the 50s and 60s. Like that's gone. Like has, has any one of that cadre seen the inside of a gym or the health food section aisle of the grocery store in the last decade and a half? No, those people are not healthy. But none of those were stewardesses. Those were the engineers that <laughs> were sashaying around and looking ridiculous. Um, you mentioned the stewardess, so let's do that. Steve knows where we're going with this, I think. So, <laughs> my eyes. You're you're gonna have to just take a deep breath because we're not done. We're not done yet. And uh, here we go. Let's do another one. We'll just lean directly into the second video. This is also from this one's from Alaska affiliated uh, similar buildings. And I don't know what's going on in air travel right now. But uh, Steve, you're going to be subjected to a lot of gay, I think. Yikes. What else do you say about that? Is there any other way to talk about that? It, it, it's sort of similar. You talked about the World Health Organization, how they have all these people who are not medical experts that, and their entire career is based on where they like to put their genitals. Or, or if they even, even if they know what to do with their genitals, like, are these my genitals? How did I get these genitals? Like that kind of thing. That's your whole life. I, I, I feel bad for these people. Like, that's it. That's all they think about all day long. They have nothing else. I mean, I get frustrated by the stuff that I have to actually consume. I have to read like Wired Magazine, you know, and The Intercept at times and just kind of like try not to vomit at some of it. But at the same time, like at least that's somewhat productive. That's that's something outside of like, oh, where am I going to put this? Does that go in that place? Huh? Or, or could not, can some of that go in another place? I mean, that's, that's your whole day. That's kind of what two-year-olds do when you give them the puzzles that have like the uh, cutout of a square and a rectangle. They figure they're, out yeah, the round peg can't go into a square hole. Yeah, they're all yeah. the prismic, you know, the prismic shapes that they're going to try to like look into a little wooden box. Like, uh, you know, my two-year-old's already bored of that. He's got to figure it out. He's like, snap, 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 done. That's how it works. The thing that fits in the thing is where it goes. Uh, yeah, it's chronic narcissism, it seems like. It's just 100% of the world is about what I'm interested in. And if the world also should be interested in what I'm interested in, even though it's only about me, a lot of it is because I'm confused about me and I just need it's, to validate myself. It's not even, it's beyond that. It's not even just the world should be interested in what I'm interested in. The world should celebrate what I'm interested in because I'm interested in it. That's right. And they're going to have a captive, and they're doing it with captive audiences. Like that's why they want to go into the schools because the kids are just kind of like forced to have to sit there. What, what is a second grader going to get up and be like, I have a moral, uh, uh, objection to this and just leave no of course not they're going to be trapped yours same might. thing on an airport you've gone through tsa you got to get board your flight in an hour and a half and what are you going to do you, you already hit the the hudson news studio up and bought your pack of gum for 450 and now you have to sit here and listen to this drag show going on and 
you're a captive audience and they know it and they're going to just hammer it uh, until it becomes just a normal thing, I guess. Well, there's an inevitable consequence to this sort of thing. And I will share with you guys that because uh, we're just telling a story here. We're just telling the story. Women engineers, the dream team from Spirit Airlines in, in Alaska, the drag show focus. It, it kind of ends up like this. those similar to the winds that you're experiencing in liberty hill texas right now yeah they're pretty close yeah that's what's <laughs> going on that's first class uh what do you do when you're in first class and when you open your mouth your your lips try to wrap around the top of your head you're like it's, well, it's like that game where you put the the thing inside your your mouth and try to try to talk and people have to guess what you're trying to say but just I, getting hammered with a leaf blower in the face while you're riding for <laughs> so we watched that for what like maybe 30 seconds and we're like that looks pretty awful those people yeah. landed the plane like that. Where were the oxygen masks that we were assured that would drop down if there's any sort of change in I, the pressure I, immediately I, inside? The, I think they must have gotten lower. I saw some of the other kind of footage of that sort of situation where the uh, where they had been uh, at altitude. If you're above 10,000 feet, the oxygen mask will drop because of the pressurization difference, and then you need the O2 because there's a lower partial pressure of oxygen. And then uh, once you get below a certain level, like you're actually okay, um, anywhere from like 10,000 below. In the military, they don't make you wear oxygen masks below 10,000. So I don't know. Maybe they had gotten below that. And people were like, yeah, screw it. We're done looking at this thing. I need to put my mask back on as it goes down my throat. I'm getting hit in the face with like, uh, what are those leaf blowers that are supposed to move, you know, epic amounts? They're not steels, but they're like green. You've seen them. They're like ego or something like that. And they're like, I don't remember what they're called. Yeah, like hurricane force winds that they, yeah, they advertise. Exactly. Like, yeah. uh, actually, I almost put that on at the end of the show. There's a guy that walks around with a leaf blower wearing like a vest and he just blasts women's wigs off. Uh, we saw, we saw um, Representative Crockett the other day wearing like a like a straight-haired wig. She's like a you know obnoxious, clackety nail, gross black female in uh, in Congress. And I just imagine like some dude walking up behind her and blasting the wig off. That would be kind of fun to watch. But anyway, these people are dealing with hurricane force winds. All of the uh, all of the wigs that were in are now in the back of the compartment. And, and because we still forgot they to focus. had less frustrating of a time during their travel than Garrett O'Boyle did this week. He tried to fly to Washington, D.C. <laughs> here's the here's the stupidest thing for me. The purpose, if, if look, you can do all kinds of glitzy and fancy things. We talked about fundamentals uh, a couple days ago, and you can do things that are outside of dribbling the ball, you know, passing the ball, doing the layup and getting it you know, in the hoop. You can do that when you're really good. There's a reason why MJ used to be able to do wild stuff like take the ball around his back and slam it in because it looked awesome and it made for great photographs, right? You can do all the glitzy stuff when you've nailed the fundamentals so much that you don't have to think about it. But when the the plug that used to be or could be a door goes flying off at 16,000 feet in your aircraft and your only purpose is to fly from one place to another, you forgot the fundamentals. You're doing behind-the-back passes and drag shows, but you're, uh, you're also like handing the ball off to the opponent who's going to go dunk on you while you're trying to do your cool guy thing. And and that's the failure. It's like, get back to your basics. Nobody cares what your politics are of a company. The, yeah, the analogy I like to use is uh, the Green Bay Packers won the first two Super Bowls ever played, and they had an offensive playbook of six plays. 
And they didn't hide what those were. They just said, we're just going to be so fundamentally good at these plays that you will not be able to stop us. And they were successful. And I, I use that comparison. You use it to this scenario. I use it to the defensive tactics that we were taught, like at the FBI Academy, where they would be trying to Stay show back. you like these MMA skills and, and that, that people were going to be not, unless you're training and that's your job, like you're not gonna, ever going to be able to execute that properly. And I said, why don't you just teach us like a couple of things to get really good at? Like, we can hit a heavy bag all the time and get good at that and actually how to throw a proper punch. Why do I need to know how to do this like ninja move that's going to never, ever come into play? And it's a failure to embrace what are the essentials and the basics and those four walls and and build your foundation. And then you can worry about like an add-on or you want to put another floor up top. What, what if you want to do the pistol disarms? Do you remember those? The, I like the gooseneck, the, the gooseneck. And then they were, I, I remember there was talking about a, uh, I said, well, what if you ever got put into a headlock? What, what, what would you recommend? They said, well, that'll just never happen. And I was like, well, I'll tell you exactly when it'll happen. When I go to do your stupid gooseneck. And the guy was like, what are you doing? And he puts me in a headlock. That's right. <laughs> the, uh, the best moment that I had, I was standing there with my buddy, Jake, and, and the two of us are doing this sort of back and forth. And they're doing the pistol disarms. So for people's awareness, we're talking about like a, a rubber gun. It's a non-real firearm. They've taken the trigger and the trigger guard off because that's a really good way to get your finger ripped off. And it's also a good way to get killed because if the person actually has their finger on the trigger, none of these pistol disarm things are really going to work really well. Someone else is going to get shot sideways. It doesn't work like in the movies. Um, and if you've ever seen that guy, I think it's called like Detroit uh, Street Survival. Have you ever seen that guy? No. He's this monstrously looking big black guy like in his late 40s or early 50s. And he's teaching like all these like cool guy skills on how to how to save your life. And he wears a plate carrier for no reason. And he, he's like a security guard with a plate carrier on. And he teaches these skills and people basically like like give themselves into the experience. And then people started making fun of him. And they were like, if you actually try to do it in real life. And so then they have like a real life scenario where like some guy comes up with like an airsoft gun. And it looks realistic. And they hold the gun up and they try to do the disarm. And it immediately cuts them like in a cloud. <laughs> like they're dead. And they're like, oh, man, it didn't work. Like every single time you did any of his stuff. You, you mean died. the Steven Seagal technique yes. doesn't work Steven outside Seagal of the Hollywood context. It's no bueno. It does not work. And so uh, anyway. My buddy and I are doing these stupid drills and we're trying to like, you know, bend the, the gun back towards the guy or push the gun around or whatever. Doing the rush hour thing where you try to just Slap disarm it. back and forth for yeah, fun. It spins back and forth for a minute in his hand and then you catch it facing the right direction, whatever kind of stupidity they had. And and my and they were like, make sure you're talking to the to your, you know, to your mugger. Talk to him, like get him thinking about something else. Yeah. And then you can, you know, distract him. And so, you know, I turn around and I'm like, give me your wallet, man. And he was like, hey, buddy, what's going on? Are you okay? Look, I'll give you my wallet. No big, hey, you look familiar. Are you from Chinese? And I fell apart laughing. And we got, you know, we, I think we got disciplined for it because I, was, I couldn't take it seriously after that. He said, are you from Chinese? And now everything that I think of being from China, I always assume it's from Chinese. And nobody will ever correct you if you say it that way. If you just say, listen. One of the instructors for us was doing the same thing. You, you can really distract them with a verbal, uh, say something. So he, he said, what's the square root of 11? <laughs> <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Boom! And, and Math just, you is know, racist. Right then, the mugger was like, "Huh? Oh, let me let me calculate this." Allow and me then... to. Uh, yeah, let me go to my let me go to my Casio here on the on the arm. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. And everyone wants to know what the square root of eleven is. How about math is racist? And uh, now I'm going to take it off your dead body. It's it comes from this fundamental fantasy world of not looking at the basics, of not looking at what your task is, like you just said, building your foundation strong. Of course, we're doing that in the airline industry. That seems scary as hell. It doesn't make me want to get on a plane. I don't really do budget airlines, but a lot of people need to, and they go places like that. And, and Southwest has the same crap that everybody else does, and so does you know Delta. 
none of these people are absolved from the doing stupid things, celebrating pride, having a drag show in the aisle instead of just, you know, just give the peanuts and get back to your spot and strap in or whatever it is you do. I don't I don't know the purpose of what uh, what the flight attendant generally does. They certainly are not necessary for almost any of the functions of the flight. And the, the services that they actually legitimate services that they provide have been pulled back so much to just save on cost. I mean, you fly a cross country flight. It wasn't that long ago that you got a meal. Mm-hmm. They, they don't do that anymore. And now it's well, now you have the option to buy it like you're at Disney and it's thirty dollars if you want like a poor ham sandwich or but something. Don't, you can't effect. touch them. It, you have to download the app in advance and then you can order it from the app so that no hands are touched. But then they're going to walk through the aisles and touch all your stuff. It's 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 the same thing. Like everything about air air travel now is basically cosplay. It makes sense that they would be doing drag shows, I guess, because TSA <laughs> is, is including cosplay. the secure tube that that doesn't have any sort of leaks. Yeah, or, now or, the tube yeah. has holes in it. Like we've just gone to the point where it's like, oh, we do the security theater where you walk in and we touch all your stuff and we might touch you and we pretend that we're going to keep you safe. And then after that, we're going to do something where you're going to board. We're going to make up. My favorite is this. They'd be like, we'll now be pre-boarding. So they're pre-boarding, and now we're going to have our uh, Elite and Skyline members, and then we're going to have our Double Platinums and uh, anybody with children. They board six groups before boarding group one. So we can't do math. We can't do security. We obviously can't do service anymore, and we can't even keep the plane's fuselage to be solid. We're going to lose things. And they grounded a ton where they were like, oh, this might be a real problem. Um, None of these things are supposed to fly higher than whatever number of feet. (laughs) They're not yeah. supposed to fly at normal commercial uh, altitude. How long is it between before that those guys who actually are competent enough to make that decision are kind of aged out or diversity, equity, and inclusion out? And it's like well, the guy who's responsible for clicking that abort button uh, has no idea what he's doing. Doesn't even know how to do a safety recall. Yeah. It's just like, I it, don't know. Let's just see what happens. We're really close to the, the, the Flintstones, like where it's just like a bird flying on top and it's like, it's a living. and Like it's not an actual functional aircraft. The uh, the the whole point of, of idiocracy was sort of like all the people who knew how to handle everything fell apart. And then you see that scene, which I've showed a couple times on this on this. It's one of my favorite clips. But like two buildings are like basically tethered together because they're falling apart because the structure has failed. And they just figured out like, oh, we could just fly this rope around them until it stays. And the cars are driving through, you know, in, off the, the freeway into this pile of other cars because there's a hole in the freeway now. And everyone just drives off the edge of it. We're, we're like that wasn't supposed to be like a how to manual. And yet uh, it does seem like people on the left are are just like, yeah, competency is it's It's a documentary. It's just a little bit ahead of its time. I mean, like they were like watering the crops with Gatorade saying like it had electrolytes. That's what plants crave, man. It's Brondo. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Let's do another one of these. uh, Let's do another story here. This is a I don't know. This one's going to make people angry. And I told my wife not to watch it. Um, so for whatever that's where, let me just actually, let me break away and do and Patriot coolers real quick first. And then we'll say thanks to them because they're keeping this thing going, but man, um, you were going to get you angry in just a second, folks. I promise that not that you're excited about it. How about, uh, before you do go to PatriotCoolers.com, PatriotCoolers.com, use the promo code Kyle. You guys have already seen it on the desk. I'm rolling with the 16 ounce today, 16 ounce coffee mug. You can check out all their tumblers. You can check out their hard and their soft sided coolers. They all say Patriot on them, just like you. Here's another one. Look at this. I'm doing water and coffee today. This is the 32 ounce, small enough to fit inside of your cup holder, big enough to hydrate you for a longer, longish trip. That's the same size that I used to roll on uh, surveillance with when I was working for the FBI. I like a big 32 ounce tumbler full of whatever sort of frozen fruits and all that kind of stuff to keep me moving through. And then another one full of coffee. Yeah, I'm a complete savage. I just sit there and drink and drink and drink and have a pee bottle 
and have a radio and I could watch you all day long. That's what I did. And it was using one from Patriot Coolers going back all the way to October of 2017. PatriotCoolers.com. Use the promo code Kyle. Saves you 10%, 50 bucks or more. You're going to get free shipping. Worth your time to check them out. And tag them and me on social media at Patriot Coolers. Let's see here. Let's do this video. This one is nauseating. And I think it, it, it actually talks about fundamental competencies going away. Some of those fundamental competencies are actually from parents, right? I mean, parents basically, they're not doing the job that they're supposed to do, which is just be a parent first. So uh, Steve, we'll get your, I don't think you've seen this one yet. So we'll get this uh, queued up. Here it goes. Toddlers were allegedly sexually assaulted in a bathroom at the Galleria by multiple men. One of the men was a mall employee. Fox 26's Natalie He is joining us now live from the Galleria with the disturbing details. Natalie. Well, Anthony, court documents reveal that there were up to seven men involved in the sex assault. It apparently happened at one of the public bathrooms here at the Galleria Mall. And tonight, one local organization has an important message for parents. The FBI has arrested Arthur Hector Fernandez III and charged the 29-year-old with sexual exploitation of children. Fernandez is pictured here on his private Instagram with the username allegedly Hector. His account was named in court documents that detailed the disturbing allegations that he and at least six other unidentified men sexually assaulted and raped a toddler at what appeared to be a Galleria Ball bathroom. Court documents say last month the Australian Center to counter child exploitation reported four explicit videos found on the dark web to the FBI in which at least two toddlers ages two and three were filmed being sexually and verbally assaulted by multiple men at once. Relatives of the toddlers told investigators Fernandez was a friend and fellow Galleria employee who offered to watch the kids while they were at work at the mall. All right, I'm going to give you first crack at that one, Steve. Happens way more than people want to admit. This stuff happens constantly. And the the, the, the FBI is going to claim that they have him now. Uh, where's the lynch mob outside the, the jail? Like, what, where's the assault on that courthouse like we saw in Portland calling for that guy to be swinging from a tree? We don't live in that what world anymore. And, and there's also not an appetite for it at the law enforcement level. People are just want, it's easier to just work the dope case and get the press clippings on that, put the guns on the table and say, look what we did. And we all just kind of pretend that this stuff doesn't happen. And it does all the time. And there's not an appetite from prosecutors to take the cases because if they take your case, then, well, I might have to take the next guy's case. And then I kind of have to get pigeonholed into just doing those cases. So I'd rather just not take that case. I've had it happen. I had legitimate cases. And they said, no, we're not taking that. It's just the victim. But we, we, can't, we can't address it. We have to put priorities elsewhere. We're going to address the fact that they showed his, uh, it looked like Instagram, if I had to guess, based on what I was seeing there. His Instagram shows two, um, two little rainbow symbols on there and allegedly Hector. And he's doing this effeminate thing. And he looks like he could have been the flight attendant that was running down the aisle. I'm not saying that they're the same people. I'm just saying that sort of culture that is that is already focused on me, me, me that is completely narcissistic, is willing to take a toddler. And the second piece of it is, is where are those kids' parents? You said it happens more frequently than you think, but that only happens in one way. That only happens when somebody who is not the the parent is looking after a two and a three-year-old. And like times are tough and they're hard, but if people want to claim to be conservative and be serious about what that means, the number one thing we should be conserving is the safety of our children. And look, you might take a financial hit for that to be able to keep an eye on your kids or put them in a place where you know that they're going to be safe. 
And I, I don't know. I, I, there's just, there's no excuse I, for this. I, I've done this, I think with you before, but it's probably worth just a, a brief PSA. And this is a case that I was not able to take federally. L luckily the local guys took it. Um, and it essentially was a guy who was a virtual babysitter. That was what he billed himself as. And it took me actually interviewing him for several hours to figure out that's what he was doing. And it, there was actual websites on the internet where parents, because of COVID, they didn't want to spend time with their kids. They wanted to put a tablet in front of them instead of actually being in charge of their education and spending time. And they would actually be in the adjoining room. They would say, here, for 10 bucks an hour, I'm going to give you a tablet and you're going to have a virtual babysitter who's going to occupy your time. And for 10 bucks an hour, that guy really wasn't vetted. So what do you think he convinced that kid to do? Oh, by the way, across state lines and the federal government wouldn't take that. Everybody thinks the FBI is doing that work and we know they're not. And the opportunity cost of not doing that work is that they're going after MAGA grandmas or whatever they're doing with their time or they're just researching people and not putting people in prison for very long when they go after a Chinese spy who's selling off our stuff like we talked about yesterday. Um, there's, there's all kinds of abuse that could be actually investigated under federal statute if we had the motivation to do it. But instead, we have an ideologically captured law enforcement apparatus that doesn't care. They're not interested. And then, like you said, you're turning that case down. I, I imagine that this guy was uh, talking kids into doing things that were horrible on, on a camera. Is that essentially what you're talking about? Yeah, he taught them to do things to themselves that they'd never didn't have any awareness of that. And was planning, saying, well, we're going to get married one day when you turn 18. And uh, was... Uh, had now had that that video captured, had it saved on his devices. I, I looked through his entire device, found all the things that he had done. And still it was, well, we're just going to leave this one to the to the locals who go to the county prosecutor who's got cases stacked all the way to the ceiling. And, it's, and they're just going to plead that out as quickly as they can, because it's just not you know, for them. They have they have just too much on their plate. And I can't get a federal prosecutor to do that. And the, and the only time I've ever gotten a federal prosecutor to go in on any of these cases with me was when I essentially threatened to make a probable cause arrest. And they knew that then that would look make them look bad because I had done that. And they would have to uh, decline it. They then. would have to follow through. And the questions would be, well, why did he have to get a probable cause arrest for this? You should have proceeded on with this. Everybody uh, sort of has this instinct that we've got people in place to handle that. We've outsourced the, this capability and that's not the case. And the more and more that I think that we're pulling back this curtain and you know, you were you were deprioritized from a task that people would think is the most important priority. A human trafficking case, legitimate human trafficking case that I had, I called up the US Attorney's Office and I quote, that sounds like a lot of work. So we're going to have to decline this one. That's so crazy. And and in the bigger offices, they have a couple people assigned to it. They're always the busiest squads. And rather than them going like, hey, man, you guys are making arrests every two to three days, which for anybody who's ever been around the FBI, that is absolutely unusual unless you work on an Indian reservation. Like making an arrest, you know, once a month is huge. And these people are literally running ops twice a week, sometimes three times a week, always looking for extra people to help them out. And when that's the case, rather than them going like, you know what, this is a real big deal. We should probably expand that capability. We don't do that because that would mean that you'd be putting more people in basic criminal work, less people in intelligence. And we need a bunch of Kyle Serafins who would love to go do that kind of work, sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day reading FISA in Chinese that he can't read because that's where the metrics are. And that's the bonus structure. That's what the banality of evil and, and petty corruption looks like. And the more people can understand it. Uh, luckily, it looks like our Republicans are doing a great job on that not <laughs> uh, awesome awesome hey and I'll, and I'll put a, a period on this one the fbi yesterday put out a press statement that said was bragging about how much cyber crime they'd stopped last year they had 202 arrests of cyber criminals last year 
So four arrests per field office, roughly a little bit under four people arrested for the entire year. So one a quarter. That's what those fully staffed offices and squads were able to achieve. And that's not just child pornography. I mean, that's that's fraud. That's all across the board. Anything that's going on. That's ransomware. Uh, that's mm-hmm. and some of those are going to be like cases that they'll never be able to land because it's, you know, it's Iranians and, and you know, other sort of foreign actors doing things that the United States will indict without even knowing their name, saying, you know, this sort of fantasy world that we're playing in where it just makes stuff up. Um, I wanted to do something that's a little bit less. That, that that one pisses me off in a way that is very difficult for me to even calculate. But we had kind of a good news story, and, uh, and of course, the guy's going to pay the consequences for it. That's just the nature of how things work when you do the right thing. But I'm going to bring up a little quick story here about a uh, another whistleblower, a different kind of field. But we, we uh, read this. If you guys read Daily Wires, I think it was yesterday. It's a doctor who blew the whistle on his hospital's transgender clinic. And and there's some real important points on there. His name is uh, Ethan Chaim. Uh, his family was in town for graduation, official start of his career as a surgeon, single greatest accomplishment of his life, he says. Graduation was a big deal. Suddenly, there's a knock on the apartment door. He did a shadow interview. It wasn't balloons or flowers, but two agents from the Department of Health and Human Services. Yes, Health and Human Services, HHS, actually have criminal investigators. And they were serving him with a target letter, letting him know that he was the subject of a criminal investigation. They showed their badges. They said they were investigating a case regarding medical records. And he said that was one of those moments where time just stands still. Um, he was an anonymous whistleblower for a bombshell story about a secretive transgender surgery for for minors in one of the most prominent hospitals in the country, which was Texas, uh, I think it's Texas Children's Hospital. He uh, he went forward with it. He was like, I can't stand by and watch this. So there you have this guy on the on the screen. Um, what what is the thing that strikes you, Steve? Out of curiosity, I will see if it's the same thing that strikes me when we start talking about who this guy was and why he's a suspendable. Uh- I mean, I, well, I looked at his age and and realized, put, put the numbers together on how much schooling that requires to become a surgeon. Uh, he's basically spent his entire life working for this and just the willingness to, in a second, saw what was going on and said, we took an oath, a Hippocratic oath, and that means something to me. And, and, and he's willing to put it all out there. I mean, like you and I, you know, we put our careers out there, but we obviously had careers before. We could have something to fall back on. This guy invested his entire life and I would imagine quite a bit of money into that. I mean, there's very rare that a, a freshly minted surgeon out of college, it does not have a significant amount of debt that he's going to be accountable for, no matter what, whether or not he works in that field or not. And said, no, I'm, I'm going to stand in the gap to protect children. What I see is going on without a moment of hesitation. He, he was willing to do that. He hadn't even gotten his graduation done. That's right. And here's the thing that, that strikes, uh, strikes me. It's exactly the same points. Um, but how interesting is it that the people that are willing to blow the whistle, that are willing to come forward, to willing to basically throw themselves on top and being like, no, 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 they're all young. They're all people who are not getting ready to retire, that have seen the end of it, that they're people that are at the beginning of it, where they're looking out and they're going like, this is the thing that I chose. I worked my ass off for a decade, two decades. I know it took you a long time to become an FBI agent. It took me a long time as well. Um, you know, it wasn't my dream job, but it's a, dr- a job that many people dream of. Being a surgeon is a dream job. If that's what you grew up, my buddy had his email address when we were, he wanted to be a surgeon and he, he's a doctor now, but he's not a surgeon. When we were kids, when we were just finishing up middle school or we were going into high school, his, his uh, email address had the words MD2B in it. That was part of his, you know, original hotmail or whatever it was, because it was something he'd thought about since he was a little kid. And some people are like that. His This guy's story, his dad was actually a surgeon as well. He saw that his dad had a lot of respect for his patients and loved what he did. And so he wanted to do that same thing his whole life. This is his dream. 
and at 33 years old, basically walking into the door of the job that he wanted to have for the rest of his life. He's like, oh, and I can't do that. And the uh, the hospital, it's Texas Christian's Hospital, or Texas Children's Hospital, rather, which is not supposed to be doing these things in Texas. And yet they were still doing so-called gender-affirming. Anyway, he he throws it all in the toilet. And then if you go read his Gifts and Go, which is actually fantastic, um, he's like, look, I'm not asking for anybody to do anything for me except help me with my legal bills because I'm I'm paying a significant amount of money. And every single thing that we get in the Gifts and Go is simply going to go to our attorneys. So I will. Uh, it's in my uh, my Twitter feed. If you guys are following me on Twitter, I'll post it over on True Socials today as well. If you guys want to support what this guy is about, he's literally just trying to get his legal fees covered so he can keep doing the thing he's going to do. He's got his medical license. I don't know if that's in jeopardy, but you know the medical licensing board in Texas is in Austin. So he he, he did things the right way too. He he wasn't clout chasing. He didn't go run to like a Project Veritas or to a Fox News and try to get himself on TV. He went anonymously. And then the accusations that the Health and Human Services brought against him were completely farcical. Right. They said that he'd given patient protected material. And they went through great lengths to actually avoid that. He did it the right way. He did the right thing at the right time for the right reason in the right way. The man's a suspendable. Yeah. And and grossly enough, I think it's uh, interesting that that's kind of the claim that Chris Ray always makes about what's going on with the Bureau. We know that's not the case. They would be going after child trafficking. They would actually be stopping this stuff. There's no there's no pattern of care that involves making, you know, lifelong decisions and mutilating children. I, I don't know how we got to that point so quickly, but I think a lot of it has to do with that narcissism that adults want to be affirmed in whatever weird nonsense they do. Look, if you want to go dress as a dude in a dress or you want to chop off your body parts and you can find a doctor that's willing to do it, it should be in a back alley. It shouldn't be in like a real facility, but so be it. That's the world we're in. If that's the place where you're going to get elective surgery to turn yourself, you, like I used to tell people, if you want to get ears that look like an elf because you really like Lord of the Rings or you want to fork your tongue or you want to put horns in your front head, which I knew people that would get metal implants and stuff like that, and you're over the 18 and you can do it with your own money, have at it. Knock yourself out. But don't do it with my military and definitely don't do it around children because we need to start throwing these people into wood chippers is what it's starting to look like. We're getting to the point where <laughs> in the biblical sense, we would have been seeing uh, fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Like people are, are they not watching over their shoulder to see if they're about to get smoked by a meteor? Because That's... I don't understand how we have gotten to this point where we're so deeply ingrained with this evil. And and every time I see one of these stories, like, like I've been pissed all day, like since I saw that video about the toddlers. I've been pissed since yesterday when I saw it. This is what happens when you think that you got about 80 years and that's it. And so live it up for now because we're all going to be taking a dirt nap in a few decades. It doesn't matter. There's no morality. There's no right or wrong. Your truth is all that matters. And and we've allowed it to happen. It's it's sort of this people are loath to criticize it or even might share your yours and my perspectives on things because they don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to create a lot of static. It's let's live and let live. We can get along. And and at a certain point, like you, you have to put your foot down. It, you need to put your foot down a long time ago. And I would have done it over more transient things than than we're seeing with this. I mean, I flat out said like, no, it's an objectively bad thing to put a mask on your face. It's not a, a question of the science. It's a question of societally. I should be able to look at you and know who you are. You're not a bandito robbing a train in 1870. Okay, that's bad for society. It's not a well, if you want to wear it, that's fine, but I'm not going to because of my personal autonomy. No, bad for society, getting rid of it. And, th and then it's down the slope we've gone. And now we have people putting on drag, uh, 
to and you and you're subjecting people to that and and, it's, and you got to go after the most vulnerable kids as a result of it that's right well when you replace the uh, the g of god with the g in government and you start going in the secular life you know I, I was just thinking when you were talking about you got 80 years on the planet give or take and then that's the end of it i remember when i was a kid even in high school dave matthews band was a big deal remember dave matthews band and people <laughs> yes. were really into it there was like the warehouse that was the people that were like love dave matthews and i was like i don't get it you guys are kind of culty and he had that song and it was like eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die which of course is quoting something and i can't remember what the quote is from but it doesn't really make a difference that this is kind of that 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 hedonistic mindset and if that's all it's about yeah you have no incentive to care about whatever happens it's whatever happens here is the is the end of the game if that's the the whole board game but if you have a belief in something else you know, I, I try to tell my kids, we, we've been playing like little board games and kind of get them understanding a little bit of strategy and a little bit of like, you know, interoperable. There's these uh, this game called Trouble. You ever play Trouble? Oh, sure. I love okay. It. So you push the button, you know, and it pops the mm -hmm. uh, it pops the dice and then you move around. Well, there's two ways you can play Trouble. You can play it with your daughters where you don't like deliberately try to land on their characters and send them back, <laughs> back to jail, which I don't <laughs> land on my kids characters because I think that's kind of crappy. But my my six year old is cutthroat and she'll land on her sister every single time. And I said, here's the deal. The minute you land on me or your sister, then we're going to start landing back on you. And there's two of us. So you've got to know when you're going to break that pane of glass. Now, you might want to win. It might be towards the end and it's like the right move and that's all you can do. So be it. But if you do it intentionally and you've got another move, <laughs> I'm watching you, girl. And and she still does it gleefully and she'll be like, ah, you know, send her back. And then like we just pound her and she loses the game completely. Yeah. And and if you don't understand that there are consequences to your actions that not just happen on this thing. And then here's the other funny thing. We put the board game away and your sister still knows that you're a scumbag and you were doing scumbag things in that game. She's going to hold that over your head for the rest of the day. And that's the it, part it, we forget. There's more to it than just this board game. It, and the, the morality of it, um, it's it's even if you remove the the spiritual side of things and, and let's let's just accept that we had 80 years and then we're all done. Right. Um, the fact that you have children, you obviously have sort of an idea of what best practices and what sort of mistakes they might make that will make their life harder or worse. So you're trying to navigate them in that direction. That would be your motive, not toward the eternal life, but just for a good life here. The fact that these people now are pushing, well, you don't want to have kids. Right. It's better you for you. It's kids. better for society. And now and it's better for the next generation. We, there's no incentive to do anything that's productive at all. It's just about gratifying yourself. Which is why you might do things like rape a toddler, even though, because you don't feel like you're going to get thrown into that wood chipper. And we are more or less explaining that that doesn't happen. Um, I'm, I got another weird story. This is more weird than it's going to be infuriating, but I think it's a, I think it's a good look. We should <laughs> just know that when you stop worrying about consequences, when you stop paying attention to things that are going on uh, around you, then you might find yourself doing this wild stuff, which it is truly wild. This uh, came out of a this came out of a story in Boston. I don't know where it was actually reported from, so bear with me on this, folks. And um, eBay, which I I guess people are still using eBay. <laughs> These, this this is a story about eBay having to pay a three million dollar federal fine because employees, including very senior level employees, were sending live spiders, roaches, and they were directly harassing this married couple who basically wrote like an online newsletter saying you know, a couple things that were not the best about their uh, <laughs> their company. And so here's, here's a quote coming from the United States attorney in Massachusetts, the acting U.S. attorney in Massachusetts. eBay engaged in absolutely horrific criminal conduct. The employees uh, and contractors involved in this campaign put the victims through pure hell in a petrifying campaign aimed at silencing their reporting and protecting the eBay brand. I guess if you don't think there's any consequences, you'll do this kind of stuff. And I, I threw a little piece up on um, on the page. You guys can see it on the Rumble channel. 
I'm just going to quote this. Along with a box of live spiders and cockroaches, the couple received a funeral wreath, a bloody pig mask, and a book about surviving the loss of your spouse, which all just popped up in the mail. They were basically mailing them this terroristic sort of campaign. Their home address was posted online with announcements inviting strangers to yard sales and to parties that didn't actually exist. Um, Just weird. But again, this is that self-serving. Like, if you don't think there's any consequences to your actions, why would you care about, you know, destroying some other people that you've never met? Like, they're just strangers. Screw them. That's like mob mob tactics. I mean, they're going to wake up with a horse head in the bed. And then you actually have the ability to mobilize people against them because you know where they live. You know what their purchase history was. I mean, that, that that's actually a lot of power that those guys had when so they wrote something that was sort of negative about the company. And like, can you imagine buying into your company that bad? Like people criticized the FBI when I was in the FBI and I wasn't like going to war with them. And so like, Steve, do you remember Steve Gray? He's been on the show before. Yeah. He's kind of gone quiet a little bit on purpose. We talk still. Uh, and Steve Gray told me that that at, right after he started speaking out about the FBI, he was going on Newsmax and talking to Seb Gorka and some of the others. And um, he got a he said he got a box of 100 uh, morning bands for your badge that showed up which he took to be a threat. You want to tell people what a morning band is? Just kind of like flesh sure, out. Sure, it's piece. just a little black sash you see when when an officer falls in the line of duty and everybody wears it to, to mourn them for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So he said he received a box of those. I don't know what the scenario is behind all that. And and I've heard him say it publicly on, on like new, like I said, with Gorka show. And I went like, that's, I've never met anybody that would do that. But I, but then again, I wouldn't rule it out because there's an awful lot of brand loyalty. And he was a guy that did 20 years and he knew a lot of people. Well, I love, I mean, John Nance has been writing crappy columns for a while. Just well, there's that too, loyalty. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really nuts. Um, the, the story about this whole thing, uh, I guess it started because they literally started writing about what was going on with eBay. They write a uh, an online newsletter called E-Commerce Bytes. And they wrote some coverage that didn't, didn't sit nicely with senior executives at eBay, which you don't think of being a, like a particularly enormously powerful company. But as you said, buying history, addresses, payment, they know who you are and where you live and all these kind of things. And so, yeah, they weaponized their their knowledge base, which is very mafioso like. And I don't know, the box of live spiders or get, the one that would actually that would be that would get me riled up and would send me on a mission across country to go find some people and, and change their minds about their lives would be sending something about mourning the loss of your spouse because it. I don't know. You, you want to come after me? I, so be it. Yeah, I, I kind of expect that. We, we might piss some people off because we're going to play some fun stuff from Yemen in a minute here. But and 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 those people, interestingly enough, you and I, I don't think you've gotten any death threats and I don't either. Not really. No, no, I haven't. And certainly not to my to my family. I mean, like that that's that so out of line, so out of bounds. Like, I, I always say, like, the Internet's not real life. I don't you can say whatever you want about me. I, I really doesn't matter to me. I'm pretty sterile with my responses. I mean, I try to be funny because I, I like to laugh, but at the same time, like there's no personal offense. If you want to call me a mean name, unlike members of Congress who apparently think that that's a big deal. So you better not criticize them. <laughs> um, but e- e- like eBay getting involved here, like I, why would you care what people say about your company? I, I don't understand that. Right. Like, that's when you think the internet is real life, I suppose. Yeah. I had some people from the Sedition Hunters that were trying to like dox my wife's information. My wife has, sure. a, I've said it here. I mean, so she has a, a license as a professional counselor. You could probably find the, the number of her license. She's thinking about re-upping it. So, you know, we don't use it. If she didn't have it, her life would be the same as it was last year or the year before or the last six years. It doesn't make a difference because we don't use it. But they were out there kind of like threatening her license and kind of going after it. And that's when I got on the podcast and started telling people like, hey, we broadcast live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America. You know, we've got cemeteries here too. And Liberty Hill is a good hill to die on if that's what you want to do. You want to come after anybody in my family. Like, 
we'll find a place for you here in Liberty Hill. There's 7,000 people that live here. It's not a big town. It's not a big and, place. And, and we learned yesterday that you might or might not have more than 5,000 rounds of ammunition sitting within arm's grasp. So Yeah, there's 5,200 sitting right behind me. That's just out so, there. People in the chat I mean, were going after it. They said he's stacking it. Yeah, it's 100% the case. Um, <laughs> I, I'm never unarmed. And and that's the other thing. I was just thinking about this, this mall story because I put myself in the sto story. If you have not kind of worked through the process, if you go into a scenario, you walk in and bang, it's guys raping a toddler in the bathroom of a mall. The first guy's got to die. The second guy gets a choice. Maybe. Everyone's going to be on the ground with their faces in the toilet. Basically, that's that's the next move. And if anybody comes out of the stall, they're going to die until we get the cops there. And the kids need to be taken care of. But, like, that's a that's a a, a deadly force scenario, in my opinion. I would articulate that's uh, the risk uh, or imminent threat of death or serious bodily injury. And when you so... put a toddler in, you, even, you, you lower the bar for what death or serious physical injury takes. Literally, a backhand can end that, and so you don't have the, the victim there to be able to testify or whatever else. I'm going to defend that kid with whatever there is, and I'm always armed, and I'm always ready to continue that on. And I've mentally made that decision. Like you said, I, I really appreciate our friendship. One of the first things I walked away with was the first round in your gun is already fired. Yeah. So if it's I walk into that, the, the, the target just found me. Mm -hmm. That round it's is their already choice. Yep. It's their choice. I mean, you don't. You never want to be put yourself in a situation where, uh, well, do I really want to shoot this person? It's like, well, I set the standard. If they cross the line, then the round's already fired. There's no decision there. I'm just delivering the round. That's it. Yeah, which so, is why I practice because I want to make sure that's going to the right place. It's it's going. They. I've already got the standards. If you meet the threshold, then I didn't. I don't have to make another decision. It's not like, a, oh, what happens right now? Like, no, no, no. You checked off the five boxes in my deadly force policy we always say that there's like uh there's the constitution there's the deadly force policy for the agency you work for or whatever state law says and then there's your personal deadly force policy which is usually more restrictive than any of those things because as a human being none of us are going out there in the world looking to find a target but if that target finds you and it meets the criteria that fall within your personal policy and the legal policy that you live within and the united states constitution which those are all stacking a lot of times those those edges might be very very narrow that's what we used to say is like if if you're doing it correctly and you've done the calculus and you've agreed to do the job properly there's not a lot of distance between those lines because you owe an obligation and a duty as a man let's start off with but as a law enforcement or a trained person who's decided to take on that responsibility like you have a duty to the people out there in the world that didn't that, that's part of why society works certain men take on certain duties and i use men very specifically in this case because men are the ones who are going to be doing that violence overwhelmingly all, all you've done in law enforcement is is just increase the likelihood that you're going to have to engage in that but it you're basically just i'm i'm being a man to a for further extent more likely than but th that that sort of standard applies to everyone I it's would, it's, I would it's almost like any man has like sort of an umbrella of protection we used to always laugh about that kind of idea but like you could take people into your kind of wing of protection and when you're a man who has a family it's your wife first and then you take on your kids and you've got these people sort of under your umbrella and that's your job when you join the law enforcement ranks, you've basically just taken on more of the public under your umbrella in a professional way. That's the requirement. You've basically said, my umbrella will now extend, and it doesn't really have any off switch. And even when I'm out there by myself, I've now sort of agreed to do it, which is why we th see things like what happened in uh, Uvalde, and we're so offended by it. Because those are men, overwhelmingly those were men in there, who took people under their umbrella. The public actually believes it, whether they have a legal duty or not. They have a moral obligation to do the thing, or as my buddy George used to say, what are you saving it for, if not mm -hmm. for that moment? And and if you're not going to save it for that moment and be ready to put it all on the line, like find another job because we have expectations. I have expectations of cops. I have expectations of me, and I don't even have the badge anymore. 
you have to be willing to restate your actions in the most absurd way possible and to have it hold. And in that situation, you're saying, I'm deciding not to address that threat because I think my life is more important than the kids in there who are being executed. That's the decision that they made. And I think when I say it that way, it sounds pretty ugly. And they were they were saving it for another day. And that's wholly inappropriate. Whereas a bunch of people are never going to have a future because they didn't make it to that day. All right. Um, speaking of saving it for another day, we had uh, a little save up. We had uh, the Biden administration has been holding on to this one for a while. They've waited until 2024. We need a war if we're going to try to see people pay attention to a... Uh, you know, a bad economy. And we had Janet Yellen yell, lying to us earlier this week, telling us that everybody's feeling pretty good. That's why they're spending so much money. Or maybe they're spending a lot of money because that's what it takes just to get the basics. Just went to Costco yesterday with my family. We got like a normal size cart. and It was like 350 bucks. And my wife is like, oh my God, do you remember? Like it used to be that a $200 cart, a $250 cart, that was like a huge haul. And you had like a lot, like you were good for the month. And now we might be good for two weeks. And so anyway, we're dealing with a very different time. Um, I want to play this little video. I think it's worth seeing the hype videos that are coming out right now for the uh, the Houthi, which I did not know was a possibility. We could have hype videos for them. And uh, this is apparently where we're going to be starting to send our, uh, our troops. We're going to be sending our sailors. We're sending our airmen. We're sending our pilots to start bombing them again. I guess we're going to step up a kinetic campaign. And this is who we're going against. This is America's... Big foe. You tell me why this is a problem for us. So there's that. Uh, but the, not to be outdone, the American contingent has also done the same thing in New York City. So I want to throw this on the screen real quick. We'll just play one more and then we'll get some reaction to it. Uh, folks in the chat, if you actually know what those boats are, I think those are rowboats that have now been uh, upgraded with some kind of an engine system. So if you know about uh, maritime things, go ahead and put that in our comments you know, so we can learn a little bit about what the hell is going on there. Let's, uh, let's see what's happening in New York, because obviously, if you're an American, you've got to support that, I guess, something. There it is, Steve. Thoughts? What do we What do we got going on here? Like, what, what's happening in this country? Oh, I got to go back to the first the first video. Um, well, one we now know where Patriot Front got its fitness standards from the high knees. So that's that was the source of that. Nailed that. And Nailed I it. just, I mean, I think when you when you shared that on social media, I immediately thought of that Afghanistan jumping jacks video. Those are Iraqis. Oh, is it? It was Iraqis. Yeah, Iraqi jacks. 
Racket Jacks is uh, our friend, my friend Mark Naughton's, uh, that's his favorite fitness test. That all being said, that's a far better recruiting video than anything like the U.S. Navy's putting out now where we have sailors that are in drag and they think that that's an appropriate way to attract the the next generation. Yeah, and yeah hold on. What was that? I, what, the, hold on. What, the, is, the, what think, is the Navy doing? The Navy ones are, this is like a Navy recruiting gay, video. Gay. Yes. When I say gay, you say gay. This is this is why we have a recruiting crisis because you're not getting the guys from Appalachia or Montana who are woodsmen already, and instead what they're having to get is have half of the the normal recruiting masses are coming in, and they're having to waste time teaching them how to actually throw because they've never thrown a baseball in their life. So when it comes to throwing a grenade, they're completely incapable. What about this? Let's go, girls. They were going to recruit her. She's going to be. Is that more a, of a sachet or a saunter? I, I can't. It could go between either one. That's so gross. Um, yeah, the, the, those videos are like going to haunt me today. So I just I didn't want to be the only person that has seen them more than once. At least people have had a little taste of it. It's bizarre. Uh, you got guys that are doing high knees, which is not a particular. There was somebody that put a, a, a response to one of my comments online, and they said something. This is the uh, the Ministry of Silly Walks has has exported high knees and running, like you say, the fitness standards of Patriot Front. Uh, these are guys that are wearing essentially like British military uniforms from World War II, I think, and maybe the the African theater version of that. And they're wearing like World War II era load bearing equipment. Uh, and yet they're jumping in rowboats and they're going and jacking stuff up and they don't seem to care. They have bad dental work. They don't seem to be uh, worried about, you know, they, they mostly inbred and low IQ. But man, they're running into it. And like you said, they believe in what they're doing. That's more than we can say about the people that are shining up so they can get their genitals operated on. The sad thing is, is there's a, still a huge number of people in this country that would love to serve this military. I've been talking to people left and right. And it's like, but how do you honestly recommend that when you know what it's doing? What it, it doesn't it doesn't think well of them, even though it needs them and we need them. And that's why I'm pushing things like the Florida State Guard, which is not accountable to the president. It's only under the direction of the governor here where you can serve your state. Same similar way. You're going to receive similar training uh, and then do it at a local level where there's going to be less of a chance for your hand to engage in a recruiting video where you're dressed up in drag. What do you got coming up on AMRAD? I'm going to kind of go a, a little gentle out. And then I've got a couple little palate cleansers that people can do. They're both musical folks. So you're going to want to see these. Uh, if you're watching on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, make sure you give us a thumbs up. You should also be following rumble.com slash A-M-A-M-R-A-D-P-O-D, AMRAD pod. That's Steve Friend and Gerardo Boyle's side gig that's slowly growing today. What do you guys got coming up? A couple of good interviews on the horizon. We're going to actually interview the Intercept uh, journalist, Murtaza Hussein, about that entrapment case that you covered on earlier this week. And uh, Tiffany Justice is going to be coming on as well. Nice. So, uh, and, and then tomorrow, I believe we're going to be looking at some of the uh, institutional racism, what actually what it does look like. That's, uh, that's on the agenda. Okay, fantastic. Are you ready? Uh, you talked about Roombas, like grabbing up all the information, like the NSA. We've got a Roomba video here. Kind of a little bit of a dad humor. The story is, is uh, lost my best friend and uh, a little musical interlude. So if you're not watching on the Rumble channel, you guys might want to come check this one out. It's a good one. And uh, here we go. I've been addicted to you. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You <laughs> That's the NSA leaving the door. <laughs> just It's just done. It looks over and it's like, we were doing all this work. We we're grabbing all this information. The FBI has been abusing our stuff. And 
Now we're going to go bomb a bunch of like Stone Age Cretans in Yemen. We're out. Just driving off. That's it. That's the Roomba leaving. They quit. They give up. That's a rage quit. Slowly, in slow motion. That Roomba is actually superior technology to the FBI's SWAT robots. So that's what I'll say to you because it doesn't get hung up on a single you know, strand of clothing. That thing went right out the door like it was nothing. It was like, oh, you've got a little uh, kind of grade here. We're going to go over the top. Okay. <laughs> Next one is going to come from a little 80s music. Uh, this is how you should be communicating with your grandmother if she is a long ways off. If you don't have a grandma that's funny like this, you're missing out. And you haven't seen this one yet. So, Steve, uh, this is a little musical rendition by a tribute band doing the outfield. Uh, the song's Josie, I believe. And uh, it's one of my favorite 80s songs. I've never seen it quite performed like this. Just a little little taste of uh, what's going on as we go into the weekend here. Hold on, let me make a big screen. We need the full screen, right? We need the full screen. Let's do this. Here we go. I just like that grandma's got it. She set up, she spent the time getting herself squared away. She's ready to rock and roll on that. Uh, what do you think? You do? Would your grandma do that? You got a grandma that would do with the outfield with you? Oh, yeah. Well, my, my grandma's more into the visual arts, but I could probably get her on that. I mean, she does a lot of painting. She could do some, some vocals. How's, Absolutely. Yeah. How's her harmony? You know... I, I don't doubt it. I mean, she she does uh, she she goes to Temple a lot. I bet you she would participate in the choir there. She could participate. I'm optimistic about uh, well, we call her Bubby now for because she's great grandma. Yes, ours is Gma, my grandmother, who is in her mid nineties. Well, mine is 86, 86, I believe. I don't. I actually have to do the math on it. I don't know what year she was born in, but she's getting up there. But she's still healthy. She does her her hot yoga and her, her Pilates. So. My grandmother doesn't know what year she was born in either. That's the best. Uh, she's completely, she's like a goldfish, but she's the loving, most loving, sweet lady. Every time you see her, she's like, you look great. And you're like, do you know who I am? She's like, no way. That, that's, <laughs> Just, that's so refreshing though. I mean, at least it's positive. She's surrounded she's not, by not love. Angry. So yeah, she's she's the only like non-angry dementia person I've ever seen. In, like, I'm sure she has her moments, but there's something about surrounding people with love that, and she's constantly got her, her daughter. She's got eight children and they all call her and check in on her and talk to her all the time. And they've got this like, you'll... You know, uh, they're not doing songs from the, from, they should do it. Maybe they should do some collabs where they start to, doing screen captures and have her sing her favorites. God knows what it would be, but she's uh yeah, she's a sweet lady. All right. Uh, Steve friend, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Fo folks, you can follow Steve. You want to, you want to, you say your handles, you do it. You do it. What are your handles? What are my hands? No, your handles. Oh, my handles. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> he's like, real I Steve what friend. <laughs> I was like, what? At real Steve friend on the, on the Twitter, on the X at real underscore Steve friend. And, uh, I do want to honor the, uh, the dad joke, uh, obligation here. So how do you know you're being told a dad joke mm. when it becomes apparent? Oh no. 
Tack P, that one's for you, buddy, out there in the chat. When it becomes apparent, Steve Friend did not disappoint. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, right, we'll see you, you again next week, but have a good weekend. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's been the Kyle Serafin Show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you took away a little bit of rage, a little bit of a palate cleanse going into the weekend here. I've got a five-star review coming from one of you. Here it is on the screen right now, coming from, I think, S.E. Truth and Light. I don't know what that means. It's kind of neat. Came in on December 22nd of last year. It's a review, five stars. Today's guest sounded... Very aware of reality, truth and facts can draw a good picture, like the light in a, in a dark room of evils revealed, the lies of evil people. And as I listen to the stories of past events, I often flash back in my memories of how fellow staff and CEOs treated me as a corrections officer for over 23 years, retired now. I can tell you some true stories. Thank you for sharing. May God be with you all. May God be with you, S.E. Truth and Light. Very appreciative of you being one of our listeners and being out there on Apple, we're just finding out that the it was a pretty decent year. We're just getting the wrap-up uh, podcast interviews for information from Apple and from Spotify and from iHeartRadio. Those are the biggest platforms. If you guys are listening on there, give us a five-star review if you would. I will look forward to starting reading some from some of the other platforms, too. We'll start pulling them off there. And uh, thanks for joining us for the Kyle Serafin Show. Guys, be safe. Be warm. Watch out for the winds if you're in Central Texas, and uh, God bless you. We'll see you again very soon. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rubble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.